0: Newly uncovered evidence shows that the Wuhan lab leaks are likely the result of -of gain-of-function research in those labs. And get this, are also connected to bioweapon research. What's the next revelation? That there is a shady cartel of globalists that are running the world and they shapeshift into lizards any day now. (laughs) Hello there you Awakening Wonders, thanks for joining us on this voyage to truth and freedom and what an extraordinary and surprising voyage it is we're undertaking together today. We have evidence that we're going to be discussing that the GLAB leak was connected to gain a function research, plus highly likely that it's connected to bioweapons. So what I'm essentially trying to describe to you, and even myself, because I'm still baffled by it, is that we're reaching the sort of outer periphery of conspiracy theory now. Imagine this. It's January 2020. Someone says to you, I think that these are bioweapons. Like, that's crazy talk. If you want more of our content and you want to support the work we do, and we need your support because we're under attack from the government and we need your support, we make additional content every week. This week we made a video about the global farmers protests and why they're really doing it. Last week we made content about the 8% increase in child excess deaths. Those things are only available for our supporters so that we can grow our movement together. Of course we'll continue to make this content. We love you. But it will help us if you can provide us with your support. There's a link in the description if you want to do that. Plus you get to comment on the streams. You get to meditate. There's loads of stuff we do. Assuming that we're not all destroyed by some terrible microbial warfare any day now. Even if it's a bloody accident, because that seems to be how these things happen. Why don't we look at a sequence of reporting from the legacy media, your friend and mine, reporting on how there definitely are no biolabs anyway, except for Russia. The Russian accusations uh, are absurd. They're laughable. And, uh, you know, in the words of my Irish Catholic grandfather, A bunch of malarkey. Yeah, it's malarkey. Malarkey slang for bullshit, isn't it? Yes, sir. Bioweapons, that's malarkey. You can trust us and our Irish Catholic grandfathers. We're just like you. You've got grandfathers, right? There you go, then. There's nothing to it. It's classic Russian propaganda. Oh, classic Russian propaganda. I'm sick and tired of this Russian propaganda, and I'm sick and tired of being told that there are bioweapons being developed connected to gain-of-function research. I've had enough.
1: Has there been any relationship between the... We are not
0: not developing biological or chemical weapons inside Ukraine. It's not happening. Couldn't be clearer. Now let's have a person that used to work for the White House, but now works for legacy media. I don't know how those two worlds are connected. It must be very difficult for anyone to work for the government, then work for legacy media. Same way you get people work for the government, then go work for Moderna. It's really weird how they seem to be able to apply their skills across a variety of disciplines. I suppose they're just better than you. Russia has a history also of inventing outright lies like
1: this, which is the suggestion that the United States has a chemical and biological weapons
0: program, or Ukraine does, that they're operating. Russia is the one, is the country, that has a chemical and biological weapons program. Get ready for the bit where it's almost inevitable now. Let me know in the chat if you're already thinking, yep, definitely gain-of-function research was connected to bioweapon development, probably funded by the same grants. Some of the more extreme conspiracy theories that emerged at the origin of the pandemic are subsequently being proven to be true.
1: Does Ukraine have chemical
0: or biological weapons?
1: Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities.
0: We biological research, but we're not for weapons. We're not even interested in weapons. Helping people. You know that, right? We're just developing stuff in Ukraine to help Ukrainians. I mean, look, oh, let me show you my car. See, they have stickers. Right. I want to help Ukraine. What, did you think I had some other motivation?
1: Which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of.
0: Well, hang on, so what's in those labs, if a Russian was in it, would suddenly become dangerous? Well no, no, it's a bioweapon! When we arrived it was a cure for cancer! You bloody Russians!
1: So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian
0: forces should they approach? Victoria Newland is one of those figures that crops up in progressive administrations. Works for Bush, works for Obama, has family connections and ties. There are these kind of—I don't know—call them sort of clandestine cartels, but certainly characters like Victoria Newland here exist in that transpartisan space. I.e., she's worked for Republicans and Democrats, almost as if those categories are irrelevant. But there are some categories that are relevant: biological research for medicine, weapons. Those things shouldn't be getting all mixed up down the. Lab, should they? We're
1: getting That's some breaking weekend. news from Washington. Speaking of China, on the COVID origins report from intelligence officials. Amen. Jabbers with the details. Amen. Sarah, that's right. This is the unclassified summary now of the intelligence community's investigation into the origins of COVID-19. Ah,
0: good. The intelligence agencies are looking into it. We'll probably get some viable and reliable information. We can all stop worrying about whether or not it's a bioweapon or whether it leaked out of a lab. Finally, we can stop worrying because the government, the deep state are back in control. Remember, the government and legacy media, they're your friend.
1: Right? The headline here uh, is that they all agree, ultimately, uh, that the virus was not developed as a biological weapon.
0: Well, that's that. That's the end of the video. It was not developed as a bioweapon. You can trust your government. You can trust the legacy media. You can trust Big Pharma and all of your doubts and concerns and all the things you're saying in the chat below about knowing people that have mysteriously lost their life. All of that didn't happen because, look, you've just seen the inquiry... Oh, you don't trust them.
1: Huh points of disagreement though are where this virus actually came from and how it came to infect human beings Uh, and all of them agree that it was not engineered as a biological weapon
0: we're all confused one thing we can agree on though is it definitely definitely was not engineered as a bioweapon are you at the point in your personal evolution where you sort of suddenly your ears prick up and your spider senses start tingling you think oh well it's almost certainly a bioweapon that's sort of in a sense massively contributing to the ascent of trump this guy do not Don't trust him. What? Yeah, don't trust him. He'd be bad for the country. What? Yeah, it would be awful if he became president. Well, I'm going to have to vote for that guy now because you bastards have took the absolute
1: piss for decades. Uh, You know, this idea that the virus had emerged as as the result of a lab accident uh, had been treated as something of a conspiracy theory. Now you're seeing at least one element uh, of the US intelligence community endorsing that idea, but only with moderate confidence. And remember, intelligence assessments are on a sort of a spectrum. It's not black and white necessarily, 100%. It's
0: weird, isn't it? When it's about Russia, black or white. Russia, bad, Russia, bad. Bio labs, bio weapons, they're bastards. When it comes to the deep state, oh, they're in this spectrum. Oh, they're so complicated. Oh, they're like Kandinsky. Oh, it's so complicated over there. And even they, they're only moderately confident at this face that it was a lab leak. Well, I got some news coming.
1: Or 0%, sometimes they say, hey, we're about 75% confident. We're about 55% confident.
0: We can't keep bringing you this groundbreaking, revolutionary, heartwarming content without your love, dedication, and devotion, and without the support of our sponsors. Can you believe that January is almost over? How's them New Year's resolutions going? Oh, I can't bother with all that. It's difficult. Mine was easy. Of course, as always, it's to focus on well being and overthrowing the establishment. Now, we all know the foundation of well being is a good night's sleep, and throwing over the establishment means a willingness to absorb a lot of flack. So, if I could just Do one thing to improve my sleep and overall well being, it is taking the number one mineral for that. Do you know what it is? It also helps me personally on so many levels, I can't even describe it. Do you know the mineral? It sounds like an X-Man magnesium. Actually, I'm talking about the magnesium breakthrough by Bioptimizers. The seven different forms of magnesium in this supplement are involved in over 300 enzymatic reactions in the body. Pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded when you take magnesium from the quality of your sleep to your brain function, to your metabolism. Stress levels will decrease. And let's face it, even if your 2024 resolution was to oppose this odd globalist regime, it's not gonna hurt you to be healthy in order to achieve those goals. Because you're gonna need quality sleep. You're gonna have to be able to manage your stress if you're confronting the globalists. That's a fact, isn't it? So do yourself a favor and make magnesium breakthrough part of your daily routine this year so you can get the vitality you need to conquer your dreams and the global elites. Go to buyoptimizers.com forward slash brand now and enter the promo code brand to get 10% off any order. Again, that's buyoptimizers.com forward slash brand now. Let's get back to bringing them down.
1: And that's what makes this difficult for policymakers going forward, Mike.
0: Another thing it does, inadvertently, I'm sure, is obfuscates and muddies the entire story so that people can't understand the depth and breadth of what's happened. Feeling sort of suspicious, cynical and full of doubt, not knowing what's true, not knowing what's a wacky conspiracy. That's why following the science, as they say, can be pretty interesting. And here's some science well worth following. Last year, multiple U.S. government officials stated that sources in the U.S. government were 100% confident Confident that COVID-19's patient zero worked at the Wuhan Institute of Virology (WIV) and conducted risky gain-of-function experiments there. So we're off the spectrum now. We're at the extreme end of a spectrum, marked 100%. This lab received funding from the National Institutes of Health (NIH) through EcoHealth Alliance, a US-based nonprofit. So look at all these little agencies. What are all these agencies? Where's the money coming from? What's their function? What's their purpose? Who do they work for? How are they funded? In 2018, Eco. Health Alliance applied for a grant from the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, which many of you were talking about right at the beginning of this. DARPA, this agency, DARPA. I never knew until recently that defense was what the D stood for. Defense? So it's kind of military then huh, for a project called Diffuse that would involve Shi Zhengli's lab group at WIV and Ralph Barrick's lab at the University of North Carolina. That's the UNC. What is this project? Now, U.S. Right to Know has obtained a full cache of notes and drafts from the Diffuse grant proposal for a Freedom of Information Act request. Remember, this isn't stuff that's been revealed. Someone, a proper journalist with integrity, went, give us that information. And here is the information. These documents reveal that the features of SARS-CoV-2 closely resemble the work described in EcoHealth Alliance's proposal. SARS-CoV-2's furin cleavage site primed the virus for easy transmissibility among humans and is absent from the closest known relatives of SARS-CoV-2. So, when they, under a microscope, observe SARS-CoV-2, it looks a lot like what was being described in the grant proposal from EcoHealth Alliance to DARPA. Is it possible, then, that it's the same thing? I mean, it only came from the same lab, I mean, they only told you that that's the research they were going to do. It's only identifiable that no close known relative of SARS-CoV-2 has this very distinctive furin cleavage site, which I won't pretend to understand, but it's connected to its transmissibility. As best we can here, we are following the science, and the science would seem to indicate that natural evolution is unlikely because an evolutionary step has been taken that would be unlikely and unprecedented in the molecular world that is observable here. What seems more like given that they've got a paper trail saying, Hey, do you mind if we go to this lab in Wuhan? Uh, It's going to have this unique set of qualities. Can we do that? Sometime later, Everyone has to go into their house for a couple of years and you're watching funerals on YouTube and your children have to have their mouths covered at school and a whole host of other interests make incredible profits while the ability to regulate and control is radically enhanced and you have a terrified population, which as you know means a malleable population. What an extraordinary set of events. Why were Barrack and she conducting risky experiments to engineer virus features that could infect humans? What was the purpose of this research and why would federal government agencies potentially want to fund it. All important questions, presumably not the sort of questions that come up in the COVID inquiry in your country or my country, because they seem to be asking questions that lead to, uh, it's this guy. So they can just blame one individual and get rid of that individual. Seems to be the way it functions. Gain of functions. In October 2000, Project for a New American Century, an influential foreign policy think tank, released its Rebuilding America's Defenses policy document. Another one of these agencies that's not quite government, not quite corporation, but very, very influential. And I'll be telling you some more stories about them because some of them have personally attacked me. In the 21st century, the authors wrote, combat will likely take place in new dimensions, in space, cyberspace, and perhaps the world of microbes. What a terrifying idea that is. Warfare in new dimensions. How extraordinary to use that language and then immediately tether it to combat and violence. And this is a good point to acknowledge that Robert F. Kennedy, independent presidential candidate, has been talking about this stuff for a long time. And it made him a pariah for a long time. Oh, that crackpot lunatic. He's always going on saying stuff like they're developing these dual purpose things that are part vaccine, but they're using the research to mask the fact that there are bioweapons. Well, that guy is absolutely, oh, he's right. Advanced forms of biological warfare that can target specific genotypes may transform biological warfare from the realm of terror to a potentially useful tool. You know, we thought that these things were terrifying, but then I found out we could use them for our own ends and they became not terrifying. It's like the reverse of a Ukrainian bio lab. When there's just Ukrainians in there and American sponsored activity, it's great. Then who's that come in look? or what's that? Fur hat? Cossack costume? It's a Russian. Ah! Microbial research in the hands of a terrorist, wearing a turban, reading a book like, can't understand. This is terrifying. But when we're doing it, it's suddenly fine. The next year, senior policymakers ran two days of a smallpox bioweapon attack simulation called Dark Winter, you bastards, designed by the Johns Hopkins Center for Civilian Biodefense Strategies. Policymakers concluded during the simulation that they needed to lay the groundwork for a new biowarfare preparation proposal through a preventative program. We must prevent bioweapons. How? We're going to develop bioweapons. Okay, it's gonna shut the windows. Almost certainly. In June 2002, scientist Michael Callahan became the State Department's Clinical Director for Cooperative Threat Reduction Programs. We're gonna reduce the threat. How? By developing these threatening tools. All right, well, obviously you know by now how to shut the windows, absolutely. Callahan was sent to former Soviet states, Rolling Stone reported to form alliances with scientists at some of the most secretive bioweapons laboratories in Russia and the former Soviet states. And it's weird because you saw the news, right? Russia do have bioweapons that's the one thing everyone's agreed on you know when they're doing their deep state deep dives into this stuff everyone's baffled and confused and all up and down on the spectrum but when it comes to do Russia have bioweapons turns out we're sure they've got bioweapons so this dude Callahan was over there looking at bioweapons right? The goal was to convert former bioweapons labs into facilities that could fight diseases by anticipating threats and creating vaccines. I'm sure that's what you say, and why would we want to contradict you at this point? The Biological Weapons Convention, BWC, prohibits the development of bioweapons, but contains a loophole. Oh, what a surprise. A loophole. How unlike these circles to put loopholes through which they can sneak profits and projects of dominion. Allowing pathogens to be developed and stored if they have a justification for prophylactic, protective or other peaceful purposes. We've got an easy little acronym. P-p-p-p-p-p-p-p-p. If we keep saying that again and again and again, you can develop all the bioweapons you want unlike those Russian bastards. Callahan went on to work as a program manager for DARPA. Coincidentally, he was in Wuhan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Coincidentally, he was in Wuhan at the start of the COVID-19 outbreak. This guy, Callahan, what is he, Forrest Gump, went over to Russia. What's going on in these bioweapons? Then he was off to Wuhan the next minute. What has he got, incredibly bad luck? He should be a travel agent, this guy. In 2003, Fauci's NIAID was assigned lead responsibility for civilian biodefense with a focus on research and early development of medical countermeasures against terrorist threats from infectious disease. And NIAID received a 1.7 billion dollar budget to defend against bioterror because new potentially deadly pathogens such as avian influenza may be naturally occurring as well as deliberately introduced by Terrorists, NIAID's biodefense webpage says. NIAID's defense research is integrated into its larger emerging and re emerging infectious diseases portfolio. Right, so NIAID are also trying to protect us from terrorists by developing responses to terrorists. So what would we do if there were no terrorists or no constant threat? Good job Russia have got all those biolabs because $1.7 billion of your taxpayer money is being used to respond to these various threats that if you suddenly were not scared of would be difficult to levy. Placing biodefense under Fauci's supervision eroded the distinction between military and civilian scientific research. That seems like an important distinction to me. I'm not a bureaucrat, plainly. But it seems to me that medicine and healing people who have got a disease and developing weapons to... I mean, I don't know. What is a bioweapon? It's to hurt people, isn't it? I mean, like, all of them saying, oh, what we're doing is we're developing this in the event that a terrorist should do this in the future. It's all a bit minority report, isn't it? And you'd want those people to be so trustworthy. They'd have to be so spick and span and neutral. You wouldn't want to hear that they have ever been taking royalties or grants or going on weird trips across Russia. You certainly wouldn't want the considerable pockmark on their record of a bloody great pandemic emerging, out of Wuhan around the time that they were funding dual-purpose research and bioweapons for which there is a paper trail, so bureaucratic as well as scientific evidence because at a molecular level it's plain that that's what this is, according to this evidence. I found myself, again, never imagining that I'd be doing this, needing to learn from people that I never thought I'd be learning things from, namely bioweaponers, Fauci said in 2002. Significant time before this all happens, Fauci's having these odd conversations. People who are our own bioweaponers in the US decades ago, international figures, people from other countries, the UK, and also importantly defectors, particularly from the Soviet Union, who had vast experience in the ways of biowarfare. In 2004, the Biodefense Act outlined a response to bioterror attacks which would include aggressive research programs including red-teaming efforts to understand scientific measures that could be used to develop bioweapons. Intelligence collectors, the act said, would be positioned to anticipate these threats. A 2004 paper from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine, Biotechnology Research in an Age of Terrorism, made clear the risk this type of research could pose. Biotechnology represents a dual-use dilemma in which the same technologies that can be used to better society can also be misused for bioterrorism with devastating results, the report said. Seems to me the very kind of thing that a population should be consulted on and that we should all understand perhaps if in 2002 when all this stuff was coming up the whole population was invited to discuss and debate and even vote on, do you want us to do all this research? One of the concerns is that it could leak from a laboratory and cause the very thing that we're claiming that it's going to prevent, even though you know we've got a vested interest in the pharmaceutical industry remaining profitable, the weapons industry remaining profitable, these peculiar fusions between defence and medicine that I'm not at all comfortable with. Would you like to be invited to discuss and understand that? On a more tangential and ideological tip, it's been said that we went from wars against nations and creeds and religions into the war against terror and from the war against terror we've gone into the war against germs and it requires this kind of warlike mentality if you can reflect the pandemic was conducted with this kind of militaristic language and this kind of jingoism and nationalism and we're all in it together and then it was used it seemed to me to leverage a whole bunch of policies and ideas that would otherwise have been implausible so even if we maintain that this was an accident and as yet there is no evidence to suggest that it wasn't an accident it was an accident that was extremely convenient to some extremely powerful interests and again and again we are discovering that the thing that they said were true are not true and the things that the more sort of what we regarded as extreme but we're going to have to retire that word people were saying was closer to the truth. Yet over the next two decades the US government would give many grants to potentially dangerous gain of function research. In 2009 USAID granted a $75 million predict grant to four groups including EcoHealth Alliance. Controversy erupted in 2011 after two scientists altered H5N1 bird flu to make it more transmissible. We've got some fantastic news! Yeah what is it? You know Bird flu. Yeah, yeah. We've made it more. Better? You've created a medicine to stop it. Oh God, no! These are all good ideas. Write that down. No, we've made it more transmissible. Oh, How can I stay mad at you? Here, have another grant. The NIH Biosecurity Board unanimously recommended that certain research methodologies not be published. Oh, you don't want to publish that. That makes us look like idiots. In response, Fauci and Francis Collins, then director of NIH, wrote a flu virus risk worth taking in the Washington Post, arguing that the benefits of gain-of-function research outweighed the risks. Sort of like like how social distancing just sort of appeared. These risks are just sort of worth taking. Identifying threatening viruses can also facilitate the early stages of manufacturing vaccines that protect against such a virus in advance of an outbreak, they wrote. Well, there's some priming right there, wasn't there? They're getting us ready for the idea. Don't worry about it. We can vaccinate you for it. Are you fat? Take a tablet. Diabetic, you say. Have a pill. Depressed? There's some tablets for that. Pandemics everywhere. You need not worry. Let's go on a journey together. But if these things ever fell into the hands of a terrorist. What do you mean by terrorist? People that wear different clothes than us? Well, that would be a problem. After a tense meeting with Fauci and Collins in 2012, during which members of the NIH Biosecurity Board reportedly signed non-disclosure agreements, the board reversed its previous recommendations and voted to publish the H5N1 gain-of-function research. Then in 2014, following multiple lab mishaps, there's a sentence that covers a variety of sins, multiple lab mishaps. Well, there was the lab mishap where Pete lost an arm. And, yeah, and then there was one where, We didn't shut those windows, did we? Oh, that was crazy. And what about back in Wuhan? Mmm, not yet. Not yet. President Barack Obama froze gain-of-function research with some exceptions, loopholes, and established a Health and Human Services HHS Committee with the power to veto NIH projects. Three years later, Fauci and Collins changed the NIH policy, removing the HHS Committee's ability to block projects. From 2012 to 2020, the NIH funded at least 18 gain-of-function projects, costing a total of $48.8 million and involving 13 institutions. Eight of these projects were approved after 2017, when the HHS committee's oversight had been significantly weakened. So whatever that HHS was doing, it was slowing people down, so it had to go, and Fauci facilitated its departure. Fauci, and that's the person that everyone universally turned to in the outbreak of a pandemic. Oh no, there's a pandemic, who should we turn to? Well, this guy, whose recommendations, actions, and potentially personal wealth come from decisions that have caused this problem. This historical evidence, as well as the scientific record, suggests that individuals involved in biodefense and pandemic preparedness may have been responsible for engineering the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The defence and preparedness push that gained funding and momentum after 9-11 appears to have become a self-fulfilling prophecy. In attempt attempting to stop pathogens from transmitting to humans, scientists appear to have achieved the opposite, an early precursor to the Orwellian linguistic trickery we're all becoming accustomed to now. We need this war for peace. We need to make all these bioweapons to stop any bioweapons ever affecting us. But isn't the main threat you. Kind of, but not to me. I make a lot of money out of it. The response to COVID-19 employed the same biodefense planning and structures. Same people after it had already gone wrong. That's ridiculous, isn't it? What if we just carry on doing what caused all this? That's good. Okay, let's try it. I suppose we will make more money and be able to introduce new... Yeah, yeah, carry on. The National Security Council worked to craft COVID-19 policies. The Department of Defense officials were heavily involved in vaccine development and distribution. Out of 90 Operation Warp Speed leaders, 60 were military officials. I remember the First time I heard that, I was like, nah, that can't be true. It can't be a military operation, but it was. Despite the controversy surrounding COVID origins, the Department of Defense awarded a new $3 million grant to Eco Health Alliance in December 2022. They must have some idea that these grants are potentially contributing to the very problem that they're purportedly trying to solve. So either they don't care about that or they haven't worked it out. So you've got to choose between ineptitude and glaring malfeasance. And neither of those options means that the same people or same system should continue to be deployed indefinitely or even really for another day. I mean, why would you put up with any of these people? No wonder anti-establishment, anti-legacy media, anti-state rhetoric is on the rise. It's because of this. It's not because everyone suddenly doesn't like immigrants and suddenly everyone's gone racist. This is an ache to go through this, isn't it? And work out furin cleavage sites and funding and biodefense. It's not straightforward, is it? Like, and then people try to mock, oh, educating yourself, huh, that's a conspiracy theory too. If you didn't go to university you've got no business thinking. But when you do this, you realise, oh yeah, that vague sense I had that I can't trust these people is actually verifiable on a molecular level and on a bureaucratic and political and financial level. So, I withdraw my trust, I withdraw my cooperation, I withdraw my good faith, and I have nothing to offer you but my endless undying opposition. Gain-of-function research is largely continuing pace Across the US, there are privately operated invisible bio-labs that slip through the cracks in federal regulation. Of course, because of they're loophole experts. What's going on there? Nothing. What are they bloody doing in that building? Nothing. Basically nothing. Weapons. Last year, public health officials found that one of these secret privately owned biolabs in California was mishandling 1,000 laboratory mice and samples of various infectious diseases. We're clumsy, cack-handed up. wow Like a thousand of them all just running around like mouse hunts. The immense trust once given to scientific groups, public health institutions and pharmaceutical companies has been lost. In some ways, this is positive. Many people are now far more aware of scientists' fallibility, leaving us less vulnerable to future abuses of power. Hopefully, we continue to see greater oversight, but it is still up to the public to remain sceptical and vigilant. Indeed, beyond sceptical and vigilant, I would say you have to become almost tenacious and revolutionary. How do we deal with this at this point? Now that we know that it's likely it came from that lab, it likely came as a result of American taxpayer-funded research. It was part of a bioweapons program that's always being controversial. They're continuing to do stuff like that to this day. They're giving grants to people and institutions and groups that were likely involved in that lab leak. They're continuing to manage the information and claim that the truth is misinformation and the misinformation is the truth. At what point do we withdraw our compliance? I would say immediately right now. Certainly my compliance has gone forever. But that's just what I think. Why don't you let us know what you think in the comments and chat. And Remember, you can join us and become a member of our community by becoming a supporter. We make content like this every single day. We do an exclusive video for our paid supporters and we give you early access as well as meditations and readings. This week's video was on the 8% increase in child excess deaths plus an additional one about the pharma protests globally and why it is significant. Please support our work if you can. We are dedicated to opposing these forces. Until next time, if you can, stay free. Hey, thanks for watching. If you want to see more uncensored content where free speech can flourish, join our live stream. Click the link right here to watch the next video if you want to, or become a member of a growing movement. Download the Rumble app and you'll be informed every time we make a new piece of content. Stay free.